To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? I uh, thought I'd sit down today and record a solo episode. So, um, yeah, just going to talk about my final preparation for season. And, you know, I always like these podcasts to be pertinent about the time of year that, that we're in. And, and right now, as we're in late July, all of us pretty much have our hunts planned out or what we're going to do. And then we're, you know, we're preparing for them, you know, both physically, mentally, you know, or shooting, um, you know, uh, research, scouting. And, and so I just wanted to talk to you guys, you know, and, and lay that out, what I'm working on, and hopefully it'll help you to have a successful season. I'm pumped. We're just right in the end here and um, looking forward to all these hunts and cutting these legs loose, and I just absolutely can't wait. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Eastman's. Um, what a great company. Uh, they've just given me so much opportunity over the years for, for writing and, and to share my photography and the magazine. Uh, I love writing these, the, these articles and, um, you know, I really enjoyed the last episode, the backcountry issue, you know, reading the subscriber stories and, and, uh, I saw Ryan Lampers was in there. He's been on the podcast. That was a fun one. Um, you know, one of, uh, Lane Walters buddies was in there fun to read his story. And then Dan Picard had a good article in there and, and just a, a great issue. It's really fun to write those. And then, you know, I'm always telling you guys about the MRS and how much I get out of that. And, and, uh, you know, I, I just love to be able to break down these dates and, um, part of the fun of these adventures and these, these bow hunting trips is looking forward to them and, and planning for them and, and thinking about the what ifs. Like that's always fun when you're putting in for tags. What if I get this sheep tag or what if I draw, you know, the Ponsagant in Utah or, you know, whatever the case is, it's fun to think you might draw that. And, and I mean, really you look at the odds of the lotto and even the odds for a sheep tag, you know, they're, you know, one, one in 300, one in 400 here in Montana as a resident, we have some of the better odds and, that's a long shot. That means you're going to draw it once every 400 years. Like that doesn't quite work out. Now that doesn't factor in points in the whole deal, but, um, you know, you look at your odds in the, in the lotto playing, you know, one in 7 million, you know, um, I, I think your odds are better to play for these sheep tags. And, and then too, odds and statistics are so interesting to me, but then if you're putting in for five different States that are all one in 300 odds, you know, my, my math isn't good enough to keep up here, but you you definitely up your odds of getting a sheep sheep tag or, you know, to get a quality mule deer tag or quality elk tag. And and those experiences and adventures, it's uh, so fun to get to go to these different places and especially where they're, you know, managed for trophy quality where you know you're going to see animals or managed for populations where you get a lot of opportunities. Like, that's the fun of it. But, uh, yeah, Eastman's just keeps giving me opportunity. And then, you know, we're talking about filming this year. And hopefully I think we're going to try to film the Nevada high country mule deer hunt, which is just awesome. And then um, Montana elk uh, hunting in a new spot there as well. Um, so, yeah, it'd be really fun to try to capture those. Um, I just had that new episode come out on Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel. Um, my DVR missed it. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I have it set to record Eastman's and then I don't really pay attention. 
and uh, I heard it was out, and I went to go look, and it just wasn't on my DVR, and um, didn't record it, even though the timer's set, but uh, I'll send my video gal, Lindsay, a, a message and see if there's some way I can view it or send me a copy of it so I can see it. Just be really fun to see how they put the footage together. It was um long, tough season and put down a nice six-point and able to capture it all on video, and so, yeah, I just can't wait to see you know, what they put together and how they edit it together. So, um, yeah, excited to see that and excited for my opportunity this season to try to capture those. Got a good film guy lined up, I think. You know, I've been talking to a, a couple different guys and, you know, been doing it a few years now. And um, it's nice to try them out and make sure they're physically fit and then um, have really good skills with a camera in their hands. And then, um, and then it's just kind of like teaming up with one of your buddies. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be fun this season. I'm looking forward to it. But, yeah, thanks to Eastman's for all the opportunity, support of this podcast, you know, and they're working hard on this podcast, too, to help me line up guests. And, um, you know, they, they, they really put their all into this project and, and really support me, which I really appreciate. So um, thanks to Eastman's. And with that, let's get this podcast rolling. I don't think I'll edit this separately. I think I'll just keep it all rolling as one. Um so, yeah, I just want to talk about preparation. Like, um, I can't wait. I don't know if I've told you guys yet or not all the tags I have. I know uh, talked about drawing Nevada. Um, gosh, I've got a busy season planned. I, I'm just so fortunate. Um, just been able to structure my life to 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 do what I absolutely love to do and, and where my passion's at. And it, it's good. It keeps me in such good health, keeps me improving as a person. Um, you know, it... it keeps my mind occupied us guys we need something to focus our energy on and and bow hunting is it for me um and so yeah I'm, I'm i'm really excited you know to cut my legs loose this season i've got a bunch of good tags so let's, let me see let's start with my season i'm going to go up to alaska and hunt caribou again which is just um so cool like what an experience last year chasing those things around and that um so i'm hunting the hall road i think i've told you guys that um, that hall road, it's five miles either side, is bow only. Um, you get you get to, it, it's a it's a blue collar hunt. Uh, you know that that you can actually afford to go do the the av gas is so expensive in Alaska, and I mean I've got a little coin wrapped up into this deal, but it's just such a, a quality experience to go up on the north slope of the Brooks Range, and and you have you know, 75 miles or 100 miles of road that those caribou can be off. And you use that to kind of travel and to, to glass into different places. And then you make plays from there. And a lot of it is that muskeg tundra. Um, you see muskox up there. You see grizzly bears. And you kind of camp just off the side of the road, but you, you're just mobile. And there's so many hours of light up there. And those, those caribou, I mean, what a beautiful species. I mean, they just run, you know, 400 inches or, or more and there's just some world-class caribou off that haul road so you know that's the cool thing I mean the bad thing is is things are always changing in this world and so I heard from my buddy I'm going up with my buddy Chase uh, my buddy uh, my buddy Scott that was there last year he's a local and hunted that haul road a bunch a couple of Chase's buddies are going to be up there Brett they're taking uh, their jet boat up, and they're taking it up um, another river system there that ties into the main river system. So maybe able to jump on that. Then I've got the Hawaii guys coming over. You know, they're gonna come hunt. They've got all their details worked out. We're gonna meet with them and share camp and share hunts with them. So we got a huge group going up this year. It's um, it's it's just a fun hunt and a fun experience. And you know, nothing lasts forever. So they're 
So the the bad on this hunt is that they're trying to take this hunt away. Um, I talked to Chase the other night, and he said it missed being taken away by one vote. And so I started doing a little reading up, and I'm like, one vote? Like, one vote out of who? And it's all decided by these committees and in locked doors. And, uh, you know, they want to turn it into a subsistence hunt. And, and I really got to get information from both sides when I start talking about controversies. And I, you know, I am by, by no means the expert on it. You know, I just talked to Chase and I, you know, I, I looked up and read for a couple nights, you know, and what I could find out. But it's made up by this, this committee and the subsistence committee is pushing for more land. So they got Area 13 shut down and now it's only for subsistence. Well, subsistence um, is how do they describe it it's basically it's not residents or non-residents it it's you know you have to they have some rules and regulations to be considered subsistence hunts but it's um the the natives up there um you know and they need their places to hunt too and i get it and but you know the herds are healthy in area 13 and then this area 26a the herds are really healthy there's you know, it, it's one of the bigger herds in Alaska that migrate in and through there. And to be able to give the average guy a chance to go bow hunt those things. And the reason it's bow hunting only is it goes along the pipeline. And so they don't want any bullet holes in the pipeline. So within five miles, it's archery only. And it's a great way to, to, to manage the caribou. It's a great way to keep them off the roads and airstrips. Um, and, and it's great organic protein. Like in, in, in the caribou are so fun to chase around, but you know, for these locals, they have a tough time. You know, they can't afford the ab gas. And if you get out for a long weekend, like the haul road's something they can do. They can get up there and hunt those things. So it's it's all decided by a committee. Let's see. It's not the national. I should have taken notes. I didn't know. I, was, I never know what I'm going to talk about on the podcast. I just kind of get it rolling and then it goes, you know, whichever direction it goes. So I, I should have had some better notes written down. Um, but but basically, you know, it, it missed getting shut down and, and made into a subsistence hunt by one vote. And, and it was all behind closed doors. They do open it up to public comment. So, you know, I have to look out for this public comment so that, you know, I can bring attention to it and also I can support it. Um, also, you know, I, it doesn't sound like um, the Alaska Bow Hunters Association or the, the, the public land, the National Forest Maybe it's the National Forest Committee that decides it. But anyways, I'm going to get you guys more information on it. I'm going to get read up on it um, and, and just make sure that I continue to stick up for that blue-collar bow hunt that you can go up and afford to do. So I'm going to go up with my buddy Chase. We got a big group going up there. Um, been doing all my research up there and getting all my stuff ready. And I fly out here um, July 31st and going to be gone till uh, August 9th. Um, yeah, it's just going to be a blast. Um, 400 inch caribou walking around and you, you can just go for it out there. You can kind of find the herds by, by being mobile and glassing and then go get into them. And I've got a bunch of really cool walks planned and going to try to stay on, um, you know, my game plan is to stay a little bit more on the high ground, uh, the rock ridges and things of that nature and try to stay out of the muskeg as much as I can and, uh, just try to look for them in good spots. But, you know, my whole my whole mindset this season is, um, you know, I'm taking the, taking the pressure off and, uh, you know, I, I may not fill every tag. I'm just, um, I'm going to be prepared, um, shooting as good as I've ever shot. I'm in great physical health and, you know, been running the mountains like an absolute madman here lately. It's just been great. And, uh, so yeah, I'm going to, 
cut myself loose. I'm going to hunt really hard, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to wait for an exceptional trophy, something I'm, I'm really happy with. Um, and, and that way I get to hunt more days. And if I go home empty handed because I, uh, I didn't, you know, chase down a caribou and I, I shot a nice caribou last year. So, you know, I, I know I can I harvest a caribou or harvest an animal. Now it's a matter of putting a little higher degree of difficulty on myself and just looking for a, a next level one and the, the opportunity or the chance at one next level animal to be able to make a stock, make a play is, is completely worth my price of admission. So I'm just going to go up and have fun. I want to help chase, try to get a caribou. want to help the Alaska guys try to get a caribou, help Scott try to get a caribou and um, I'm going to hunt hard and go, I'm just going to go on some extreme adventures, you know, way back in and get off the hall road, carry my bivy sack on me. And, you know, I'm sure I'll buddy up with somebody, but just get way back in there. And if I see the right one and in the right spot, um, bet you I'm going to make a play at it and try to harvest it. But yeah, I want to try to get one of those giant caribou that I, that I saw last season over through there. And I, I killed a really nice one last year. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, absolutely pumped for it um I'm, I'm ready to leave tomorrow um but i got a couple more weeks uh so anyways i got that hunt i've got a nevada mule deer tag which i talked about i'm extremely excited about that um so i i get back and then i can't make that nevada mule deer trip till like a few days after it's open but you know it, it's really no big deal by me like i'm not you know, i'm just not gonna stress myself out. I've been doing it enough years. Like you can worry about what everybody else is doing and getting the first crack at the deer and hunting the deer that you scouted. Um, but I, I've just, I've got the days. I'm, I'm just going to show up and hunt hard. We're going to try to capture some footage and, um, yeah, try to kill a really nice mule deer, walk around with my tag and try not to try not to put too much pressure on myself and let it happen. So really psyched about that. Then I go from that. And, uh, then I drew a Colorado, mule deer tag, which I'm just pumped about. Um, yeah, this is a, a really cool location. You know, I kind of get away from hunters. It's, you know, it's up above 13,000 feet. It's just what dreams are made of for a high country mule deer hunter. And there's just some giant ones in there. Um, going to expand back in there and hunt some drainages that I haven't really focused on before. Um, some that I've never even seen. So, um, it's, it's a solo trip and, uh, I love hunting with buddies and I love capturing these things for film, but there's, there's something about a solo trip where you're self-motivated, you're only relying upon yourself. Um, you know, and it, it's tough and it's grueling and, and, um, I, I'm excited to do a solo hunt and I, you know, I can't remember the last big solo hunt I did, um, trying to think back of last seasons and you know as I've been filming these last couple seasons I haven't done as much of the solo thing um man I you know I can remember solo trips um but I can't remember the the last one that I did you know the small ones little weekend trips and stuff but this is an extended solo trip where you know I'm gonna go 10 12 days um it's a backpack hunt high elevation in the biggest mule deer in the world um, I am jacked. Same thing there. I'm not going there to kill a deer. I, you know, I'm going there for the experience. I'm going to enjoy it, immerse myself, and I'm going to look for a really good one. Um, you know, a personal best or, uh, you know, just one of those ones that really gets me excited and, uh, that I'm going to try to harvest them. So yeah, I, I just can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. So Colorado, get back to Montana. And then, um, I do have a Montana. Well, I don't have it yet. I shouldn't even say that knock on wood. 
or particle board of <laughs> my desk here. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have an antelope tag yet, but the archery antelope tag in Montana for residents has been, I think it's been 100%. And this year you can't put in as a second choice, but you know, I'm always first choice archery across the entire state. There's some great places to hunt them, but I also get to hunt them local. I get to go out in the evenings after work or when I get free days. So I, I don't have a lot of time in between my schedule, but whenever I've got a free evening or a free weekend, you know, I'm going to gonna go hunt that. Let me see. Hold on one sec. I gotta, my dog wants out. Yeah, he likes to sit in here and do the podcast with me, but I guess it was time to go, go see what the girls are doing. But uh, yeah, so going to fit in that archery antelope and then um you know i've got montana elk um so that'll be my next focus when i get back you know i i'd contemplated trying to fit in idaho elk after colorado but i just think it's too much i mean i am so fortunate i just that's you guys have heard me talk about personal happiness and i just have it as as good as i could have it you know i i get to I get to go on so many of these hunts. I've structured my life to where, you know, I can go hunting a hundred days a year or more and go on these crazy adventures and they're, you know, just blue collar adventures and things I can afford. But, um, it, you know, I'm just so thankful to, to have the support of my family. And I woke up this morning just thinking about how good I have it. You know, I sit, I live here in the Madison Valley. We got no crime, low population, no traffic. And I'm just looking at the most pristine mountains. Like, it's like I live in New Zealand. I just see this big open valley and these big pristine mountains. And, you know, it, we live in this nice house and have nice vehicles. And I'm able to travel. And, you know, my my job, you know, it's... You know, it's construction, but it, it's just, it's just not, you know, I, I'm able to make a good living and, you know, I'm, I'm not wealthy, but, you know, I'm able to, to, to make a good living. Now my dog wants back in. Isn't that typical? All right, bud. All right. But, you know, I'm able to make this good living and then I'm, you know, I'm able to raise my kids in, in this great community and they have great schools and, you know, they have a, you know, better life than I had when I was growing up. And that's the point. And also trying to, trying to teach them all those good life lessons about responsibility and be good people. And, um, yeah, it's just, um, gosh, I, you know, I, I live such a fortunate life. I've got the Madison river down there. Gosh, I've been, you know, fishing down there. Like we've had that salmon fly hatch go off and I, maybe I've talked about it a little bit and fishing is, is my other love. I, I just love to be outside either on the river, in the mountains, been trail running a bunch, but yeah, that salmon fly hatch was fun. Just living life to the fullest, getting my responsibilities done and work done. But you know, the evening time is mine and you know, you spend time with family. I've had the girls out fishing quite a bit, but those salmon flies, I got it good a couple days. I had to go hard for it, and there's a lot of pressure on the river, but you just work those bank lines of that high water, and those big trout are pushed up against the banks and in those technical spots, and, you know, they're coming up to eat this giant three-inch dry fly, and it's the biggest fish in the river, and uh, when they're on the salmon flies, it's so fun. You just get to see those those trout make their move and come up and grab that, that fly, you know, and then your fish on, and they're just so much fight right now they're as healthy as they can be the water temps not too cold not too hot 
tons of food. They have tons of energy. And so uh, they just go crazy coming out of the water and making big runs. And uh, it's just as fun as it gets. So I hit that really hard. The hatch is about over now. And and uh, so been able to squeeze that in. But I, I'm just, you know, my point is, is that I'm I'm so fortunate and even dealing with stresses and problems in life, you know, it just isn't that big a deal. And uh, so I've been able to structure my life to go on these adventure hunts and have the support of everybody in it. It's um, it's it's just crazy good. And I just want to appreciate it and, and embrace it, too. When I'm on these hunts, I want to have the ultimate enjoyment like I um, I want to, I want to go for it and go hard. Um, but you know, a lot of times I'll get caught up in my own head too. You get on those hunts, you got a lot of time to think and you start thinking, Oh, what about this job? And what about this deal? And Oh, I had this problem and Oh, is my family okay? I haven't been home, but I, you know, I'm just going to get everybody set. You know, I've got good people in place. You know, I've got my wife that, uh, you know, she, she'll be fine taking care of the girls and running them around and picking up my slack. And, you know, I, she she can take care of anything and take care of herself. And I know she wants me to go hard. And then, you know, at work I've got, you know, I'm partners with my dad in the construction company. And I, you know, I take a lot of the responsibility and run these jobs. But I mean, he's really the guy that, you know, that taught me how. So, you know, he's completely capable and, and he's so supportive. Like I just have the, the best dad in the world. Like what a great role model going through life. Like, um, you know, just, uh, uh, always being supportive, you know, doesn't put me down. Just, a just a great guy. But, um, yeah, I've got, he's my partner in the business. And even though I'm building this house and I'm helping with the design, it's a owner builder design. And I, a lot of responsibility there and I haven't been able to get these other jobs checked off my list so we've got multiple jobs running at once it's just been going crazy lately but again that when you live in such a good life and you have this positive outlook on life you know I also have like this this way you know that I start looking at my problems as I just start you know as a contractor you're a problem solver in life you're a problem solver on these backcountry hunts you're a problem solver like you have to think about the problem think about how you're going to fix it or the moves you're going to make and then execute it and then not worry about it you know stressing out about things doesn't do you any good and so you know I've just been attacking issues and problems as they come in and you know nothing major but you know stuff going wrong here and there that that could be major potentially but you just handle it the best you can and um you know explain it and and uh and, and then move on don't dwell on it so you know I'm I'm getting good at that but that's you know, on these hunts, I owe it to all these people to just have fun and immerse myself in them. I owe it to myself. And and sometimes I'll sit on these hunts and I'll stress about different things and I'll start getting in a different headspace. And I'm not. I'm just going to handle problems as they come in. I'm going to enjoy the entire experience and and uh, I'm going to go hard and, and not stress about it. And when things come up, which they will, I'm just going to handle them the best I can and do what I need to do. And, and that'll be that. Um, so yeah, just, uh, not stressing out going into season, just ready to, ready to cut my legs loose and go for it. So anyways, I got Montana elk. Um, that's going to be a fun one. I've got, uh, the Hawaii guys are going to come with me again. Um, they're going to stay with me and we're going to hunt around here. So yeah, get back from that Colorado trip, fit in some antelope, Montana elk, hunt with the Hawaii guys around here. And I've been doing some good mountain run scouting too, <laughs> running into some new spots I want to hunt and uh, pretty cool looking country. 
So I'm excited about that. And then, you know, they just drew the general tag. So we're hunting my home valley. And I love to travel so much and hunt new places. But, you know, there's still places in my own valley I haven't learned. And so, you know, whenever I get the chance, I'm trying to research new spots, think of old spots and when they were good, the timing on it. And I have some of the best elk hunting in the lower 48 here and right in my home valley. But I just love to travel and experience new things and experience new places. So I've been hunting different places, but it was fun last season to focus on our valley. And my buddy Robin killed that really nice bull. And, um, you know, so it, it'll be fun to kind of to focus on elk here in the in the home valley and try to get on them. Um, give me one second here. I've got to pause it. All right, I'm back. Um yeah, so it's it's just um it's been fun trying to get this season ready to go. So we got the the Montana elk, the Hawaii boys coming out, and so we're gonna hunt with them, hunt the home valley, um, some different spots, some some old spots, just try to get into some elk. Um, and then towards the end of the season, I'm going to go and try to film a Montana elk hunt. So I've got that special tag this year, hunting some new areas. Um, I've got a bunch of options, different mountain ranges I can go to. I'm going to be kind of later in the season. It'll be October, but, um, I've kill, killed probably my last six bulls in October. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. Cut the legs loose, um, hunt with the Hawaii go- guys and then, hunt some of these different mountain ranges, different places and see what I can't do hunt there. And then I've got, let's see, Montana deer tag, um, hunt the rut again. I did that hunt last year with my family out there. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go early, start hunting them late October, early November, hunt through the rut and, uh, look for a good next level buck this year. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that one. And then, you know, I may squeeze in a Idaho late season, um, I have to buy my tag here pretty quick. I just don't want to, you know, overbook myself or, you know, I, I guess I'm already overbooked. I've already got all these hunts planned. Probably hunt coos deer late again. That's a pretty fun one. I think I'm going to go to the ATA show this year. So I'll go a little bit later, hopefully time that rut a little bit better. I may fit in an Idaho deer tag, but uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's hunting season. It's, um, making all the final preparations and I, I would have liked to get more scouting in. Um, I've been scouting a little bit around here. Um, I do have a trip to go scout, um, elk. I had wanted to go scout. I love scouting high country mule deer, but I just got so much going on this year. Like my August is so full of hunts and you got all these, these things you need to take care of and do. And so I'm trying to take care of all my responsibilities at work and trying to hang out with my family and and been taking the girls fishing and we went to the the water park yesterday and um so I'm trying to do that I'm trying to get all my runs in and work on my bow and then gosh I've got so many you know personal things I gotta do too with my house I repainted it this year I put in a yard you know I'm I'm refinishing the doors you know you just got all this maintenance when you're a homeowner you're taking care of your your investment I gotta cut firewood so I've got that ready to go through hunting season and so you know I've just I've just had all these things and and um you know not to mention all the jobs I have going and trying to work 40 50 hours a week on that so you know I've just been taking care of business in this hunting season like I have I have so much time to go hunt once it gets here that I'm not too worried about it. I had wanted to go to Nevada, but it's seven, eight hours to drive down there, seven, eight hours to drive back. That's 16 hours. And I've only got little weekend spots, you know, plus I'm neglecting all my other responsibilities to go do it. Now, it's a place in Nevada I've never hunted, but 
you know, I've, I've hunted enough of these places now and I've had to scout remote before when these places are a long ways from my house and scout remote and go down there. And the other thing is, is I don't get to hunt Nevada on the opener. So I get to go down there. I get to learn country parking spots, learn the mountain range. And I'm not discounting the, you, you know, the effectiveness of scouting. It's so important to learning country. I've just done enough of these things to where I, I know where I want to hunt down and through there. And, and if I scout a giant buck and know he's in there, like that's good information. But two, those guys are going to have three, four day crack in front of me before I get down there. I can't get down there until, you know, the middle of season. And so I'm just not stressed about it. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to hunt hard. And even if I got to take the first day or two of the hunt to get familiar with places and, figure out where I want to be, figure out where the deer are. That's fine. Like, um, I've got a good game plan down there and, you know, seven hours is close enough to make a scouting trip, but just with all the responsibilities I have, I think I just need to take care of things and get things done, spend time with my family. I, I do want to run one elk scouting trip. Now the spot I'm hunted, I've, I've deer hunted before, so I'm familiar with it. Um, you know, some of the other mountain range that I've scouted you know and you just you can't go everywhere either I've got all these different mountain ranges I want to go hunt and places I want to go but you know when you're when you're just have the weekends and and you got to pick a spot to go scout you know there's three other spots that you're not going to so I mean same thing there I'd like to run a scouting trip to the the prime location or the prime area that I want to hunt but you know the truth of it is is I can't go to all those different places I can't go to all the mountain ranges I want like if I had all summer and that was my job like yeah I'd, I'd be able to go scout it but with what I got now um I've got a lot of hunting time I don't have a lot of scouting time and I'm fine with it like I say I've done it enough times I know how to prepare for these things and in a lot of this hunting too it is you know preparing yourself for it like I'm I'm in the best shape I've ever been in I'm shooting the best I've ever shot like I am I am ready for it um, mentally ready physically ready like that preparation then I just get on the hunt and and I evolve and adapt to the conditions I'm given and that's what the hunt is anyways even with the preparation you know all the scouting you do you think you have it dialed in but a lot of times your your scouting doesn't you know, relay the information of how many hunters are going to be in the area, you know, and so you get there and you have to adapt and change and, you know, I, I, I'm going to be fine this year. I'm, I'm going to go for it, but I've got all these great hunt hunts planned. Um, yeah, the, the preparation's been going good. I've been hitting the trails like a madman. Um, yeah, I've ran the last 12 out of 14 days. I had two days off. One day was after a, a giant mountain run with a bunch of elevation and miles and decided to take a day off. And and uh, the other one was is I just got busy working late into the evening. I ran out of time and didn't go, but I've pretty much been running every single day. And they're all big mountain miles. Like all of them are, you know, at least a thousand feet of elevation gain and lost. And then, um, you know, bare minimum six miles, but more like the six to 12 getting in just good mountain miles. I feel so strong right now. Um, injury free, you know, as joints feel great, muscles feel great. Like, um, well, I guess I'm not injury free. I, I've had a couple injuries. I cut my foot at one point, gosh dang it, wearing, um, flip flops. I hate to even say it like, um, so wearing those sandals, you can't do anything in those, but I do love to wear them in the summertime. It also like, I like air around my feet to dry them out. Like the number one problem with blisters and runner's feet is like sweating in those shoes or sweating in a Gore-Tex shoe all day long. Now I can't wear flip flops to work, obviously, but you know, around the house here, 
I, I push it in my in my sandals. So like I'll admit I do I, you know, I do work around the house in sandals and I, I feel like I'm athletic in them, but it is so dangerous. Like you could cut your toe off. You, you could cut your foot like I did. And it was so stupid how I did it. I was shooting my bow and flip flops, which, you know, what's the big deal? I, I put in a yard this year and so I'm out in the grass and I'm shooting out there and I, I shoot all my arrows into my target. I got this um, new 3D target and new bag target. And so I'm just set up right. Um, so important throughout the year, like to shoot at those 3D targets and learn how to aim at those things. But I'm shooting out there and I just got my yard done and it's um, it's grass and then it goes to dirt where I'll, um, I got some rocks that are going in there, some, some wash rock and then I'll grow some grass. Um, not that you guys care about my landscaping, but I'm just describing this as I walk out to go grab my arrows from my target and out of this just flat dirt, there's nothing out there. There's there's one like stick, and it's probably six inches long and to a sharpened point. And somehow I kicked that in between my flip flop and in between my toes. It just sliced all the way down my foot, or at least for a good I don't know inch and a half or so, and laid open my foot. Oh my gosh, it's he <laughs> just uh it um. You can't have it back. It's like anything in life. Like once you make a stupid mistake, you can't have it back. You're stuck with it. So I've got this flap of skin on my foot. And my main thing, like, um, you know, I'm I'm really healthy. Like I don't get not I don't get infection. It like I don't stuff doesn't get infected on me or my body fights it off. I don't get sick a bunch. Like I I go through multiple sicknesses in the house and don't get them. Like I have a really strong immune system and so. You know, I'm not too worried about it, but then talking to some of my buddies, like Hawaii, they have a real problem with staff. And one of my buddies, Janus, when I left, um, he got sick, got a staph infection in him. And Robin was telling me that he's had a couple staph infections. Like, I just think it's damp. It's not, you know, I don't, I think it's a different climate over there where that stuff, you know, bacteria and, and um, you know, I don't, you know, most of them are bacterial infections. I think that's what staph is. I hope, I hope I'm getting this right, but they, um, they just grow quicker. Another guy I met there in Hawaii, he got a staph infection on his arm on a cut he had. And so it's, it's just an environment that, that grows that. But Robin telling me about it and how serious staph is like you can lose your arm or you gotta, you know, you gotta get into the doctors, get antibiotics or whatever. And, you know, I don't like the, the way antibiotics mess with your gut biome or your stomach or, you know, like I'd rather stay off them if I can. Now, you know, I'm not one of those hippie freaks that won't use modern medicine or go in and see a doctor or anything. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't want to get an infection on my foot. And so I I took good care of it. Um, I ran on it. I'm horrible. You know, my wife's just pleading for me, you know, not to go run to take care of it. But, um, you know, it's it's like I don't want to let that be an excuse. I know during season I'm going to have tough times. I don't know what they're going to be. It could be a blister. It could be, you know, pain on my foot or whatever, but I just wrapped it up. She helped me take care of it, keep it clean, and then, um, yeah, I just go run on it. Um, so, yeah, I ran on it, got it all healed up. That's been a – that was one of my injuries I sustained. Um, yeah, legs feel good, body feels good, and then I was – been lifting quite a bit lately and not lifting big weight or anything like I'm just doing a lot of pull-ups and and uh, push-ups and um, kettlebell workouts and just trying to keep my upper body strong keep my back strong um, you know also always working on my flexibility but yeah I'll just 
I'll just do it. Like I'm just in the habit. Like I have this really healthy lifestyle where I build these positive habits and, you know, lifting is another one of them where, you know, I don't, they don't have to be this planned hour long workout. Like I can come down if I've got 15 minutes in the morning, like I'll get my heart rate up and get a good workout, you know, and then go to work. Or if I've got 15 minutes at night, like I've been really productive with my time lately with all this stuff going, like the podcast is dang near a full-time job. Then I run the construction company. Then I've got my family. Then I've got my workouts and training and shooting like I am so busy um social media that's another one I want to talk about but yeah social media just like all this stuff that I'm working on like I, I don't have much free time but I'm just able to make it I'm able to create it I'm able to take 10-15 minutes go down work out um you know, and I, I do like that relaxed time and hanging out with my wife to an hour at night, but that's just it. I can do that in an hour. I don't need to have a three hour relaxed time. Like I can be more productive with my time. And so, um, yeah, I've been really productive lately, but I, I was lifting, is that yesterday? Yesterday morning, which Saturday, which I, I love the weekends. Like I don't really work Saturdays and Sundays anymore. I've just learned the lesson over the years that once I start to work them, like um, it's almost required or expected or I get in this routine and then I'm working six, seven days a week and then I start to, you know, not get happy because I don't have enough free time and I'm, I'm exhausted. And so you know, I work really hard five days a week and I may do some stuff on the weekends, but um, I, I try not to commit myself to them. But yeah, yesterday I was downstairs lifting and um, yeah, it's just doing this kettlebell exercise and it was like right at my physical limit. You know, you're always like I always learn throughout the years to push to failure so you know you're you're doing as many as you can do before you give up and I've actually I've liked doing more sets of pull-ups and things I can do more of them and I, I think it's a smarter way to train but anyways I was pushing to failure and I I felt my back go out in between my shoulder blades right there on the like the last one I was trying to force in and um like I told you, my, my back has been really strong. I haven't pulled it out in forever. A lot of flexibility, but I was just, you know, when you're, when you're lifting, you're, you're pushing your muscles and you're trying to, you're trying to get them stronger and work them out. And, um, sometimes you just push it a little too far. And I did, uh, between my shoulder blades went out, still ran yesterday. Now, when I first did it, like, um, God, it hurt to breathe deep. I could just feel that spot. And it's like a spot that's gone out on me before. Like I'm well aware of it, but I, uh, I took a couple Advil, which I, I never take Advil, but a couple times a year, maybe once a year. So I took that just to let my muscles relax around there. And then I kind of rubbed it out with a massager. And then, um, gosh, I mean, on the scale of pulling my back out, when I first did it, I thought it was going to be like a four or five, you know, on the scale of one to 10, of how bad it is, like a four or five, like it's going to hurt at work. It's going to hurt for two weeks. It's I'm going to have to heal it up right before I go hunting. And, um, I did that preventative measures of rubbing on it. And then, um, you know, I, I also hot shower, I got some heat on it and then, um, I did go and run, <laughs> uh, maybe that wasn't good for it, but, um, I also think like it heats up your body and, um, loosens things up, but that, you know, it, I'm, I'm kind of BSing you guys. Like if I go run on it, like I'm taking a little pounding on my back, but I just can't help myself. But, um, did those preventative measures, went and ran on it, hot shower and, uh, wife massaged on it again last night. And, um, man, it's like us on the scale of one to 10, how bad you could hurt it. It's a one. 
And I just think that's a testament to all the stretching I've been doing, all the strength work I've been doing. And like my body just recovers. And even though I pulled it out, like it, it just, um, it went right back into place or, you know what I, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can't heed all my advice, but, uh, but it, it did, it went right back in and, uh, feels great today. Um, uh, I did, you know, I shoot every single day. I did not shoot my bow yesterday. Um, just because of that, I felt like it was going to use that muscle in between my back and, uh, it's like one day off isn't going to kill me. Um, I should have that same attitude on running too, but, uh, so I didn't shoot my bow yesterday, but I am going to shoot it today and it feels great. Like it's a little tender behind my shoulder blade, but it's just not bad at all. So, um, I'm just going to keep with it. Um, I'm going to hit the season in good shape because, you know, and during season you, you put such a strain and stress on your body, packing that backpack and the miles you put on, you're always pushing your limits. Like it's, it's good to have high limits. This, this training has been insane. Like I say, the the trail running, the elevation I've been doing lately. And, and two, like what a great way to see the mountains and what a great way to keep me happy. Like I am just happier when I'm working out, working hard towards my goals. I'm thinking about hunting. I'm, I'm handling my problems like that. Working out is so good for me. And every single day I just need it. And, uh, my body can do, I did like nine days in a row at one point there with a hurt foot and the whole deal. And, uh, just really enjoying it. Like it's such a fun way to see the mountains. Like you get to, you get to disappear on these mountain trails. Um, I go with my, my buddy Gunny, which you probably just heard groan. He's back in here laying down for the podcast, but, uh, he is the best running partner. He's like 58 pounds full grown, like a year and a couple months now, I think somewhere around in there. Um, just an absolute athlete in the mountains just a savage like it's crazy the miles he does sticks around me real good I'm able to watch him like all these runs are in grizzly bear habitat and black bear habitat and it's nice like I know he's gonna sense them before I do and so I'm just always watching him and his mannerisms as we're running and um so he's gonna he's gonna help me helps me feel more comfortable back there but what a great way to just run deep into the mountains and find vantage points and places you want to hunt and it's getting to the mountains. Like that's one of the things that makes me the happiest in life. You know, is it's quiet and you're in nature and you get to see it. And then I get to break such a good sweat and push my body. Like, um, this trail running, it's it for me. And I, you know, I don't do a lot of the, well, I, I haven't been doing the races the last couple of years. I got off the roads. I don't do any more road work. Like it's all just trails, single track or, or off trail, and uh, I just love it. I'm going to all the spots where the people are, and I'm just disappearing back in the mountains and just seeing country that not everybody gets to see. And I, like, I've got <laughs> these are um, the secret time. Another some more of these hippie feelings, but I really feel like you you become like all the places you visit and all the places you go becomes a part of you. Um, now it doesn't, you know, I'm I'm not that hippy dippy or where I actually think it becomes a part of you, but it does make up the person that you are. All these experiences and places you go to soak them all in, um, it does become a part of you and becomes you know, a, a part of your personality. So like, I really like going to all these new places and, and, you know, I'm crossing rivers and I'm making big climbs and then going downhill. You just feel like a superhero. You're running five, six minute miles and I'm racing my dog down and, um, it is pure joy. I feel so good. And, you know, I've heard all these, these rumors in life or not, not rumors, but, you know, 
that the running's bad for your joints and and uh, you're gonna wear yourself out and uh, running is one of the healthiest things I do it uh, helps keep my weight down and control my weight um, it it you know it 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 works out your lungs it works out your legs it gets your body used to doing miles and I I'm just not sore or fatigued my joints don't hurt like your muscle adapts to the stress you put on it and you know when you've been a runner for so long like I don't get shin splints anymore my feet are tough as heck like my body is just adapted to me putting on six to twelve miles a day with a thousand to three thousand feet of vertical climb and loss like my body is just used to it and. You know, there's no better way to be in the mountains than than used to that exertion level where it doesn't even it doesn't even, you know, play a role in in how hard you can go. And so um, I, like I just I don't need to do any of the, the races like I'd like to do a hundred miler. The problem is I start focusing on these races and I get away from what I really love. And that's focusing on hunting, on scouting, takes away from my bear season. And almost like I got these pressure to get the runs instead of like just doing them as they come and enjoying them. And so, um, yeah, I've been running and getting to the mountains and that's what I really enjoy. I don't need to do a race to prove myself to anybody or to prove it to myself like it's good to challenge yourself and push yourself to the limits but I mean man if I'm being totally honest that's what hunting season is for me like that's what I'm training for I'm training to get ready for that and and I'm training to get my body in good shape you know to put all my effort into that and any free time I have you know I want to be working towards hunting season so for me it it works out better and I'm not saying this is what everybody should do like I just share my personal experiences and you guys take from it what you will you know so um, but yeah, running these trails has been so fun. Just, um, every day getting to them, I'm going to get to the mountains and do a big one today. I fit one in yesterday before the water park got like 45 minute one in with some elevation. Um, but, but today I'm going to go hard. I, today is Sunday for me and, and, um, wanted to get down here and record this podcast and then, um, oh, I got to do a little work on the bow, but yeah, I'm going to go for a big trail run today, maybe up the Sphinx here and see if I can make this, the saddle or, um, you know, maybe even make the top. I don't know if I quite have enough time to make the top, but at least the saddle, which would be like 2,500 feet of elevation gain. And I'd probably be 12 miles or so, maybe 14, maybe 12 miles, I guess. But, um, yeah, I'm going to get gunny out. We're going to go hard, go get a run in and, um, get back to the house and, um, yeah, work on the bow a little bit. Um, gosh, I've got some crazy thoughts on the bow. Um, I, I'm just always theorizing. I, I am always trying to get better and improve myself. And so this is a, this is a tough one, but, um, so been practicing with the bow a bunch lately. Um, went to Hawaii in, uh, early June, you get so much practice there. And I, I really got to get this Hawaii podcast out. It's a great one with my buddies, just fun and lighthearted, bunch of good information. It's all fresh in my head, but you know, I, I learn a lot while I'm there too. You get to shoot at different critters. Um, so, okay. So where do I dive into this one? So this is, um, this is my thoughts on the release. Um, so I went to Hawaii, did some hunting, uh, made some really good shots, but I'm finding out with this this thumb trigger, like I, I've taught myself these release aids and I the right way to shoot archery is is to to let, you know, to push and pull on your shot, let the shot break, um, you know, and so, 
you know, I, I started, you develop target panic with shooting a trigger release. Um, if you shoot enough, you know, you choose when the arrow goes by saying now. You guys have heard me talk about that. Now, this controlled release of now. And and so what you do to get rid of this target panic is you start shooting a back tension release where you push and pull um, until your shot breaks. And what it does is it allows your mind to aim at the center of the target and wait for the arrow to break. So I've been shooting that style for quite a while now and at Critters, and I've gotten really comfortable with it and I've been shooting a thumb release and so I shoot it in a back tension style where I push and pull push and pull till the shot breaks pull with my thumb and my forefinger and um, it, it allows me to aim right at the target shoot very accurately and um, so that's the way I've been shooting and it, it's been good um, you know I'm always trying to improve like I've told you guys I haven't been a hundred percent on an archery season like I don't think ever I think I've I've had one archery season where maybe I had one shot go array or an animal needed a couple shots, but I'm always looking for that perfection. Well, I found with this thumb release and this back tension style shooting is that when I get in the field, a lot of times the conditions aren't right to push and pull like on a lot of these slopes, like sometimes that animal's walking and he stops and then you're pushing and pulling on your shot and the animal walks again and then it stops, you know, and like it's not always perfect. And also with that, that perfect execution of pushing and pulling your shot, like, um, you don't get to choose when your shot breaks. And so you're relying on that animal to be still for that amount of time. The other thing is, is that when you're shooting at an animal, you know, your pin doesn't always settle the best and hold on the center of target, not because of target panic, just because of adrenaline and heartbeat. Um, so what I do with my thumb release is you never forget how to punch. And so, you know, I don't want to call it punching. Like it's a deliberate shot. It's a controlled shot. And there's like a lot of guys like like Tim Gillingham is a pro shooter that shoots a deliberate shot with a trigger. And so, you know, in, in a lot of these trigger guys, even that, that terminology of pushing and pulling your shot, that isn't even true. Like it's like a lot of these guys will just hold their pin on target while they execute their shot, like with these hinge releases, which I love shooting a hinge release. I shoot them really well at paper. But what you do is you aim at the target, and and not everybody is pushing, pulling on their shots. A lot of these pros are just rotating the hinge release until the shot breaks. So the premise behind it is to be able to hold your 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 pin on the center of the target and, and wait for the shot to break. But like at animals, like I'm just learning that there's so many times when you need to make the shot go now. When that animal stops, he gives you the shot, or you need to pick your shot through branches. Um, like, what are some other scenarios? Like, and also, uh, my brain goes there too. the The pin doesn't aim l- like it does on targets. And I one of one of the best ways I shoot at animals is to let myself breathe. And my like, the more time I give it, the more my pin settles and I execute my shot. Um, but my tendency in my own brain is to make that shot go a controlled shot. That pin is on the animal where I want it to hit, make that shot go. And so what I'm doing is I'm deliberately, you know, making my trigger go more so than waiting on my shot to break. Now, not every shot, you know, I, I do have control of myself, but I'm just trying to be honest with myself how I can improve. And if I'm being absolutely honest, like I would say I'm running about 75% efficiency right now. Like, um, Three out of the four animals I shoot at, I hit perfect and they die within sight. Now, so there's 25% of the time where my shots are not going true. And whether that means, you know, I hit the animal a little bit back or I miss the animal altogether 
Or sometimes, you know, an animal will jump your string, there's conditions, you hit a limb. But if I'm being completely honest with myself, I think I'm running about 75%. And I think, I was just thinking about it, and, and I have such a tendency to make that shot go when I'm in those scenarios and hunting. It's just real-life hunting situations. And, and two, like, a lot of times shooting a, a back tension or a thumb, you have like this shot sequence. You you have this time where you have to make an effective shot. Say you have like a 15 second window and after that your shot sequence deteriorates and you can't execute a good shot because you're pushing and pulling for so many seconds. Well, that shot sequence, a lot of times you're having to draw back and hold your draw. You're drawing back. That animal's still walking. You're waiting for the right angle. Like the conditions just aren't always right for that shot sequence. And so like um what i found is that i execute a deliberate shot better on a trigger than i do on my thumb and i'm just trying to up my odds and take away some of that 25% to where i'm hitting things perfect and a lot of my that 25% where i'm not hitting it perfect it is like a limb a bad range uh the animal jumps my string i had one of those in hawaii but that other percentage you know I think I can get that better by choosing when my shot breaks and that that trigger release is the best like the the best release to to make a controlled shot on like that and so I've gone back to a trigger and and really the only reason I can shoot a trigger is because I put in so much work with these other releases so you know advice I've given in the past to to move to a back tension or to move to a thumb to correct target panic is not the wrong advice I think everybody should shoot every release and I think if you are just a, a trigger shooter like where you shoot a trigger release you can shoot a trigger release really really well in fact you know I'd make a case for you can shoot that one the best or it's the most forgiving out of all the releases but I think you should still learn how to shoot back tension like to be able to wrap your mind around those theories and then to be able to to aim with your trigger release and, and realize, you know, you're not building these bad habits. Like, I'm not building bad habits with my trigger release. I'm not trying to make it go as I'm sliding past the bullseye. Like, I know what target panic is now, and I've shot enough years with these other releases that I can execute good shots with my trigger by you know, pushing and pulling until the shot breaks, letting that thing sit in the center, but then choosing when it goes by a slow trigger pull, like, and I'm just effective with that release. And I think I can, you know, I think I can get my percentage up. I think I can get it to, to 85, 90%, 95%. I'd love to go a hundred percent. Like I'm starting to learn all those little nuances with, you know, not starting to learn. I've been learning for years, all the nuances of trying to execute a shot and sitting here talking about it on the podcast, 75%. Sounds like a that sounds like a crappy statistic, but I'm just trying to be completely 100% transparent and honest with you guys. Like, um, you know, that's where my shooting is. And in Hawaii, I made a lot of great shots. You know, I also made some that, you know, I'd like to have back or make a better shot. Um, you know, I, I'll talk about it in the Hawaii podcast, different shots I got. And I killed a really nice buck out there, but um, I also lost a buck. And I don't know if I talked about it in the podcast or not, but um, I had a great 50-yard shot on him calm in the morning. I don't know if I pulled that shot a little bit back or hit him like low in the liver or what, but he ran out 50 yards and bedded down. I thought he was a done deal. I didn't think, 
you know, he was going to go anywhere. I thought he was going to die right there. Well, he's still alive. And, you know, maybe I should have made another stock on him, but I just, you know, you get, you get these decisions you make like in that crunch time that you, that dictate whether or not you get that animal. And when you mess up, you always say, well, I should have chose the other option there, but, um, I opted not to get another arrow into this buck. I opted to let him lay there and I thought he was going to bleed out. Well, after, an hour or so of me and Robin sitting there waiting for him to die. His head's still up, and all of a sudden he gets up and he starts walking. And I can't see where the arrow hit him exactly, so I don't know exactly where the hit is. I just know it's body, and it got in there. Well, then he goes, and there just isn't much blood. There's an entrance, no no exit, I think. And um, we follow it, and we give him some time. We give him another couple hours after he gets up. And then we go track him from where he left that spot. And we actually lost him. Like, I couldn't find the blood trail where it went. I went high. Robin went to the side. Well, Robin ended up walking into that buck. And he was bedded again in the gulch. And so we snuck in. And I was like 20 yards away from him. And we waited there for an hour for him to stand. And he never stood. And finally, I told Robin, I said, I think I can get an angle on him if I sneak around. It's... it's <laughs> So as soon as I leave Robin, Robin doesn't have his bow with him. As soon as I leave Robin, that buck stands up, of course. But I come around the other side. He, the buck beds back down. I get another shot at him in the grass. And the shot wasn't that far, like maybe 45 yards or 40 yards, something like that. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of grass in the way, but I can see his body. And I think I either hit the grass or, you know, if I'm if I'm being honest, didn't exactly hit my spot, hit a little bit high, but I put a second arrow into this buck and he walks over the top of the hill. And so I walk to the top of the hill and I can see his horns moving through the brush and all of a sudden he disappears. So I've got a second arrow in this buck now. And then we, we keep going and keep trying to track him through there and we're on a little bit of blood and we just can't find this buck. And all of a sudden we hear a rifle shot. And I don't know if it was a poacher or maybe a, another person that had that property. I think he ended up shooting that buck. Um, we lost the blood trail, couldn't ever turn up that buck, couldn't ever find him. I felt horrible. Um, but that, you know, that was a bad scenario that went on. I also had another buck I missed, um, that I, um, I shot at the jump my string the last day with Janus. Um, you know, I also harvested three bucks where I made really good shots on all three. They didn't go anywhere. Um, perfect shots and some were a high degree of difficulty, but you know, I've got those couple scenarios where things just aren't quite right. And I, you know, I also made some good shots and some goats and a pig, but I'm just trying to look how to get better. Um, and I, I think that trigger release is good for me. The trigger release and my hinge release hit in the exact same place. And so I'm able to shoot both of those releases. Um, and I think I'll have my hinge release on me. I would love to hunt with a hinge. So the way a hinge is different than a thumb, you know, is, is you're holding on the target and then you, you get to rotate your hand. And so like, I think it lets your brain know that you are activating the release. Like you, you don't get to choose now, but you get to choose within now, within a second or two seconds and you're rotating your hand. And so your brain is thinking about rotating the hand and keeping the pin on the animal. And then you execute. And I shoot a pin, uh, a hinge, the best at paper, but I really like this trigger release. Like, I think it is an effective release. And the only reason I am as good as it, good at it 
as I am is I think because I have shot a thumb and back tension so long and I realize target panic what it is. Um, but I, I get to make a controlled shot. I get to, you know, if that animal stops and gives me a window, I can fire that arrow in there. And, you know, I make a better deliberate shot with that thing. I think it's just the habits you build and that not that you can't make a great deliberate shot with a thumb release. I think you can. I've just built in the habit where when I make that thumb release go, I don't actually press the th- my thumb into it or squeeze my hand like I've learned to do sometimes too. If you squeeze your hand as you're aiming at the target and the shot breaks, hits in a good spot. What I do is I I jerk my thumb trigger you know straight back as I make it go. Like I choose now when I have to do that with my thumb. And it's not every shot. A lot of shots I'll sit on and I'll wait to hit. But you know you're in such a, a high adrenaline state right there that. I've been working on it for years and you just don't shoot that pull, pull, pull shot on every animal. They're just like the circumstances don't line out and stuff happens quick when you're hunting and sometimes you got to make it go. And in the way I jerk that thumb trigger back, like for the most part, I can make a pretty good deliberate shot on it, but it's just not as pinpoint accurate as I'd like it. And I think that the trigger is more pinpoint accurate. Like I like it. So Oh man. Um, it's a tough one because you just evolve your thought process. You know, you, you're constantly trying to get better and improve and you're just thinking, how can I up my odds? Or you're, you're trying to, to really look back at, at, at different encounters you have and how you executed on those animals, what was going through your mind. And I, you know, I'm so fortunate that I get so much opportunity and created so much opportunity with a bow that, that I get to analyze and look at it. And I possibly get, you know, I'm not going to say more than anybody, but I get a lot of close encounters, a lot of chances to stock, a lot of chances to be in bow range. Like Hawaii is great for that when you, you know, I think I harvested like six or seven different animals while I was over there this trip. Like got some great axis meat, some does, some bucks. Like, um, I, I mean, geez, I, I had a blast, but you get to, you know, those axis deer, I fell in love with hunting those things. And so, you, you you start to appreciate their horn size and their mass and what an older, more mature buck is. And so getting in that bow range, you get that adrenaline rush you're after, you know, I, uh, those, those axes have to be one of my favorite animals to hunt. So you get that adrenaline rush when you're on a good 30 inch buck. And so you get to see how you're going to react at the, at the moment of truth. You, you know, like a lot of times deer season, you sit and think about your execution all year long, but you may only get one shot at those things. And it's just not that way on axis. And so, like I, I get to, I get to evaluate, you know, all these different experiences shooting at animals and, and not only that, but like the antelope I get to hunt where I get multiple stocks and, and shots a year, you know, get to hunt white-tailed does. I get all these encounters Those like those high opportunity hunts are so good for your stocking skills and, and the nuanced movements inside bow range and also your shot execution. And, um, you know, learning to shoot back tension and thumb release, hinge releases has been the best thing for my shooting. But I, like I shoot um, a pistol way better now than I than I ever did before. Like shooting a pistol now, it's amazing. Like I've conquered target panic where I can actually sit and hold my sights right on the middle of the target as I squeeze the trigger and then the shot breaks and I, you know, I'm you know, not that I'm some great pistol shooter or anything like, like I, I'm just, it's, but it's made me way better, way more accurate where I can shoot it good. Same thing with a rifle. Like I can stare through the scope 
And I don't have to choose now on a rifle. Like I can squeeze on that trigger as I'm holding that, those crosshairs on where I want to hit, which makes me a great rifle shot, you know, way better than I ever was before. And I, I don't hunt with a rifle anymore or I haven't for 10 years or so, but I still like to shoot them. And rifle hunting is fun. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not against, like I hunt with my family with a rifle and my daughters just for me personally. Like I fell in love with getting close and the challenge of bow hunting and, you know, I started finding consistent success and I learned a lot from rifle seasons and rifle hunting, but, you know, I started to feel like, you know, any trophy I want to get, I want to get with my bow and arrow. Like I want to get close, like, you know, the, to kill them with a bow and arrow is the ultimate to, to get, to, to beat them at their senses and get in with a stone's throw and put a good arrow into them. You know, there, there's something, you know, so primitive and, and, um, so, it's just it's such an intense experience it's so visceral like you just like getting in close up the level excitement of excitement for me like all all of a sudden like it wasn't as exciting to get you know within 100 200 yards of rifle range like I had to get in close and the the experience intensifies you know and you get this this visceral close like adrenaline surge and dump and like I I haven't found anything like it in life than than bow hunting and it especially difficult bow hunting so, um, yeah, I've, I've lost my place. Um, I get, I get talking about how much I love bow hunting and all of a sudden the conversation's over, but that was the major thing. I just wanted to touch on, on my release and my thoughts on it. And I know that's, that's different than I, than I've said before, but like I say, I'm always, a, a evolving my opinions and my views and my way to be the most effective bow hunter. And I really do think, you know, if you're a trigger shooter, the best thing for you is to learn how to shoot back tension in your off time. It lets you aim better and uh, be better. But yeah, now with the trigger, I am so deadly with a trigger, especially that I've been working with it now. Uh, my long range game is is insane. Um, short range game is good. My um, my my controlled shot, like if I if that animal stops and gives me a shot, there's just no doubt in my mind. And you know, not that I'm looking to shoot a bunch of long ranger. I'm looking to get close and kill that thing. You know, make a make a quality stock and put a good arrow in them. But I have so much confidence in my shooting right now. Um, it's shooting and aiming great, and I, you know, I think it's gonna up my my percentage of success. I don't want to go into a trophy, two hundred and twenty inch buck with a seventy five percent success rate, you know, like. And I know some of that I can't fix. Animals are gonna jump your string. Had an axis jump my string. I've I've had a giant mule deer jump my string before, you know, where he had no idea I was there. Finally got the shot I'd been working, you know, eight days for, and the thing jumps my string and miss him clean. So, you know, that stuff can happen. I'm never going to be able to fix that. And so, you know, therefore, you know, 100% is really difficult to reach. And I may have it for a season or so, but I know the rest of my life, there's no way I'm going to be 100% at animals. There's just too many variables, but I definitely would rather be 90% or 85 or the highest percentage, you know, have everything on my end controlled. So anyways, my new thoughts on that, but I've been shooting a bunch of arrows. I think, um, 